Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, being recorded on a very early Wednesday morning, March 18th, in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. This week, it's once again more travel mashup. Thanks for listening. Hello. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Like I said in the intro, I, like most of the United States, is working from home this week. We have all been pulled off the road. So a lot of remote workers are now what they are calling WFH, working from home. This week's topics, the coronavirus again a replacement for Google Trips, digital hotel room keys, a little bit more Google, and then finishing up with working from home, or like we said, WFH. For the third week in a row, we're leading off with the coronavirus. As I typically do, I will offer you up a pro tip. Do not, and I repeat, do not check your 401k until at least January of 2021. I made the mistake a few days and almost ended up in the hospital for non-corona-related symptoms. A couple more updates. More than likely, you're aware of these. I'm not Fox News, for God's sakes, but all Disney and Universal parks are closed. This affects a couple of the kids inside the house that both work at Universal. No March Madness, which equates to no office pool. LAX has invoked a no-handshake policy. Hilton has waived all cancellation fees in response to the coronavirus concerns. I've canceled, I think, seven hotel rooms with Hilton in the last week. TSA is now allowing, if you can find it, 12 ounces of hand sanitizer in your carry-on luggage. The Kentucky Derby has been moved to September, and I can tell you that the fall of this year is going to be busy because everything is being pushed out. We had actually talked about possibly going up and watching the Derby this year, and I guess if we do it, we're going to be doing it in the fall. Uh, Here's something creepy. Funeral homes are live streaming funerals, (laughs) which, again, is kind of creepy. I might as well just stay at home and uh, watch Aunt Bunny from afar. Uh, If you're in some sort of a recovery program, don't let social distancing curtail your progress. Most organizations are offering some sort of remote support. I'll try to put a link in the show notes for that. In the spirit of the 1983 movie Vacation, John Candy, sorry folks, parks closed. In this case, it's Canada. All of it, Canada has shut down its border. It's closed to all except Canadian citizens. Starbucks is pondering whether or not to limit coffees, uh, runs to just the drive-through and not walk-in. All of Nevada's hotels slash casinos are to shut down per the state orders. They closed all the bars here Tuesday night. Yeah, last night, Tuesday night, uh, St. Patrick's Day, downtown Wall Street in Orlando was an absolute ghost town. I think I also saw where the Nevada brothels are requiring all patrons to wear a mask. I guess that's a mask in addition to a condom. Better safe than sorry. One of my favorite tweets over the last week came from Jason Mustaine. 
he tweeted out, oh, sweet. I was wondering how every corporation I've ever given my email to was handling the COVID-19 virus. <laughs> so he's correct. I had a friend that let me know that his local pizza delivery place had sent him an email letting him know how they were handling it as well. Moving on to Google Trips, up until mid-2019, Google offer up, offered up a great app, Google Trips. I don't think you could book travel through it, but it did have the ability to aggregate your Gmail account and ingest all your travel-related emails and turn it into an itinerary, very similar to what TripIt does. Uh, what Google Trips did that made it really enticing, though, was it gave you additional destinations based on your itinerary. So let's say you were going to Chicago, and of course everybody knows there's the go to the ball field, and there's there's certain things, the bean that you want to see. But it also offered up several destinations that were kind of off the beaten path, things that you wouldn't think about. Well, for some reason, Google has a habit of removing some of their best products, which they did with Google Trips. You know, one time they offered an RSS reader that was probably the best around, and then suddenly they sunsetted it and no more. Google Trips has been replaced with Google Travel. Currently, it's web-based. I could not find an app for the iOS. I don't have a Droid. I don't know if there's an app for it in the Play Store or not, but right now it's only web-based. So Google Travel kind of took what Google Trips did really well and built on it. Of course, there's a Trips portal which allows you to build a trip. You know, since Google knows pretty much everything you did do, and usually before you do it, if you've searched for any destination, so for instance, I must have searched for New York City, it has the, or not the potential, but it it actually will suggest trips for you based on your rate, recent activity or your recent searches. There's an explore portal, allows you to find out a little bit more about an area. So for instance, like I said, I think I had search for New York for some reason. And during the potential trips, it offered me up a, hey, here's plan a day trip to New York with all the destinations, Manhattan Bridge, Coney Island, Staten Island Ferry, Battery Park, Chrysler Building, Woolworth Building. In order to keep this within a day trip, Google suggests the amount of time to spend at each stop, as well as the travel time between each venue, whether you're on foot, train, or cab. Kind of neat. That was something new. It's kind of one of the better features of the good old Google Trips that they've incorporated into the Google Travel site. There's a flight portal, so you can visit all your flight options in one handy place. No hopping from Expedia to Kayak, etc. For instance, again, I searched for New York, so when I hit the flights portal, it offered me up a beautiful $42 round trip from Orlando to New York on Frontier. For 42 bucks. Along with the flight, it gave you uh, a couple handy tips. It told me that for the Frontier Airline, that it had below average legroom, so less than 28 inches. Since I'm on the south side of six foot, didn't matter to me, but it also told you that that flight is often delayed by 30 plus minutes. That does matter to me. So if you happen to find the flight that you want, it's single click and it takes you out to all your booking options and you can go on from there. There's a hotel portal inside it, and again, the site's bright enough to remember that I was searching for New York, so it shows me all the relative New York hotels. For example, for my New York trip, it offered me up the Club Quarters Hotel, New York City World Trade Center, 
with highlights of high-rise hotel overlooking the 9-11 memorial, a 20th floor eatery, a gym, and loaner iPads. And they finish up the offerings with packages, lets you select from popular destinations where the hotel and airfare are baked into the price. Once you find the package, you're directed to a third-party booking site to complete the transaction. The site also allows you to track flight pricing. If a cheaper fare pops up, you'll be notified so that you can rebook or pull the trigger on the flight that you want. But I do see the value in using it for possibly planning out a trip, especially if it's a new destination. Look, make no mistake about it. Google's core business is information, users' behavior, users' preferences, trends, etc. They will be recording every single destination that you surf and interact with. Digital hotel room keys. A few years ago, Hilton updated their app to add a couple new features. One was remote check-in and the other was a digital key. Remote check-in functions exactly like you think. It lets you check in from anywhere. It's perfect for any of you pre-coronavirus introverts. And I used it a couple times that while it allowed me to pick the room, the floor, I, you know, did I want to be near the ice maker, near the stairs? What the app didn't do was offer me any of those on-site upgrades that you get by checking in at the desk. Just kind of got away from it. I used the digital key at first as well. And it was really nice to take my phone with me and not worry about grabbing a key when I went out in the morning to exercise. But over time, it's just something, again, that I just kind of forgot about and didn't use much anymore. However, the other night, the digital key came in real handy. Last week, I was in Valdosta for the evening and decided to go out back and sit and enjoy a couple, one or two, Altair IPAs from the Avondale Estates Brewery up in Georgia. While I remembered to grab my beers, I was heading out the hotel room door. I forgot to take my room's coffee table. And that's where I had left my room key. I'm sitting down by the pool enjoying the nice, cool, crisp South Georgia air before it gets muggy as hell. That's when I realized I didn't have my room key. And I thought to myself, no big deal. I'll just stop by the front desk and have them issue me a new key. As I rounded the corner to the front of the hotel, I spy one of those large college motor coaches. Hoping that the passengers were still on board, I quickened my pace as I headed towards the front door of the hotel, got into the lobby, and it was packed. Uh, I'm guessing a solid 15-minute wait to talk to anybody. At this point, I've had two, maybe three beers, and being 55 years old, I am definitely in need of a restroom. That's when I remember the Hilton app had the digital key, a swipe, a couple taps, and the key was downloaded to my phone. I was back in my room. Again, not something that I would use every single trip, but it's a great plan B. I don't know about you, but I've jumped on YouTube before to watch a quick video, and then 30 minutes later, I'm learning how to rebuild the carburetor on my now defunct 1973 Dodge Duster. I'm here to tell you that Google Arts and Culture is a site that can lead you down the same path. We live in a very visual world. We've got Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. Google Arts and Crafts will highlight all of that. It looks like it aggregates all the pictures and from the reviews that people post. 
but it's really cool because it actually builds it into some sort of a deliverable that you can watch and enjoy. For instance, you can tour Route 66, which was established in November of 1926. Really interesting fact is they never bothered to erect road signs until the following year. The highway originally ran from Chicago, Illinois, through Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona, before ending up in uh, Santa Monica, California, covering about 2,400 miles. And this, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a uh, a video, but an interactive piece takes you through that whole 2,400-mile trip. You can also visit the oldest city in Georgia, good old Savannah. You know, every year Savannah attracts millions of visitors to the cobblestone streets, parks, and notable historic buildings. We happened to have spent last Saturday and Sunday there. They had already canceled their big St. Patrick's Day parade by then, but there was no shortage of people wearing green and lots of beads and lots of green beer. Hopefully we'll get the uh, the CEO on here next week to give uh, her thoughts on Savannah as well as how the coronavirus has changed up things for her and her work environment. But there's other things you can do on the art, the culture and art site. You can tour the Guggenheim Museum. You can zoom in on some of the classic paintings of the world and see some really cool details. Highly encourage you to check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes from that. Finishing up with working from home, or like we had said earlier, WF. H. Working from home, more than likely it's impacted all of us or someone we know in the last few days. I'm here to tell you that if you're a cubicle jockey and you've spent your life living in a cubicle or a cubicle farm, the thought of you working from home absolutely scares the ever-loving hell out of your boss. And for a couple reasons. His management style will typically rely on intimidation. He has no confidence in his management skills. So in turn, he believes that micromanagement by keeping his eyeball on you every day is the answer. He also believes that you will shortchange the company by quitting work every day at 4.30 instead of 5 and shorting the company out of 30 minutes. Oh, the horror. Well, I can here to tell you that this is not the norm when working from home. Working from home is nothing to shy away from. I checked out a recent OWL Lab study that gave me some interesting remote work statistics. Here's a couple of them. 44% of all global companies do not allow for mobile work. 16% of all global companies are fully remote. For instance, Chris Brown that does the monthly crazy travel roundup with me works for a completely virtual company. They are stationed all over the U.S. They do not have a building or brick and mortar. They get together couple times a year at, you know, various destinations, but for the most part, everybody is virtual. And then 40% of the companies are like mine where it's a hybrid. We have a lot of people on the road. We also have a lot of people that show up at an office every day. Departments with the greatest remote work participation include IT at about 18%, customer support, somewhere around 14% sales, 13%, which I thought was a little bit low. It seems to maybe it's just I interact with a lot of sales guys on the road. And then following that up with administrative duties at about 11%. These next two are biggies. The biggest challenges for remote workers during hybrid meetings. And when I say hybrid, that's a, a hybrid of you on the phone, our video conference mixed with four or five people sitting around a table. The biggest challenges are interruptions, 
slash being talked over and IT issues. So when it comes down to IT issues, if you're the remote worker, guess what? You're also the IT guy. You are the MIS guy. If something on your remote site's not working, you're the guy that's got to get it resolved. Whereas if you're in a brick and mortar building, you can call downstairs or upstairs or to the uh, Mountain Dew Den and have those guys address it. The interruptions and being talked over, that's a toughie. A couple pro tips on that. As hard as it is, wait your turn to talk. I know we all have a point we want to get across. Also, stay on mute when you're not talking, but also remember to take yourself off mute when you begin talking. <laughs> the other one that's really challenging is brainstorming sessions when it's a, a hybrid meeting. You know, it's tough when they're sitting there, even on a video conference, when somebody's scribbling out something on a whiteboard, uh, short of having a virtual Sharpie that you can also write on your screen that they can see. That's just a toughie. But you know what? All those things can be overcome. It just takes a little bit of patience from everybody involved. And of course, I'm sure a lot of companies with, with sending everybody to home this week has been really concerned with efficiencies. Here's my take on it. Efficiencies, we spend no more time working remotely on Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit than the cubicle jockey. If your internal IT policy is to restrict access to those sites, I'm here to tell you that your employees are using their phones to get around your policies. In addition, remote workers don't get sidetracked every time we go to the restroom because Karen wants to show us the latest pictures of her cat. The other big concern is work hours. And for me, spending several nights each week on away from home, it's really tough to disseminate between personal hours and work hours. So let's consider what a typical workday looks like when working from home at Chateau Relaxo. Normally 6.15, the CEO and I wake up. 6.15 to roughly 6.25, I check emails, answer the ones that require it. The experts will tell you that that is not the best way to start your day. For me, it works. I spent 20 years doing it this way, but I would probably, if I had to do it over again, I would start my day at 9 a.m. with email. 6.25 to 6.50, roughly, I let the dogs out, feed the dogs, get my coffee ready. 6.50 to 7.50, the CEO leaves. Typically, I'll go exercise and then shower. And then roughly 7.50 to 8.15, 8.20, I get caught up on my YouTube subscriptions, enjoy my coffee. So when working from home, my day typically begins at 8.15. My phone's been active two hours before that. I am one of those guys that will typically work through lunch, especially if no one is home. And then my day ends up somewhere around 5.30 when the CEO pulls back into the into the driveway. So typically, remote workers will put in more hours. I have worked remotely for twenty, roughly 20 years. I actually have a brick-and-mortar building just outside of Atlanta. Inside that building, our team has its own office complete with a locking door and everything. So it's a legit office. And when all of us are there together, which is maybe two to three times a year, it's really rare that we all sit in that office. Normally, each one of us goes and finds a vacant conference room or somewhere because I think we're so used to typically doing work by ourselves that we just never think of that interaction. For the last 10 years, my wife has asked me, why don't you guys decorate your office? Uh, we, just, we just never have. I don't know why. We got a lot of bare white walls in there. Due to the situation that we're in right now, working with remote workers is going to be new to a lot of people. So keep a couple things in mind. More than likely, 
you're going to be interfacing with people that are also working from home for the first time. Be aware, you're going to hear kids crying in the background, dogs barking. You know, right now, everybody's home. It's just kind of the way it is. Also, be patient with online meeting services like Zoom and GoToMeeting. They are getting hammered with traffic. I think yesterday in our group, we had north of 20 meetings uh, using Zoom. I think we've, we're spinning up Microsoft Teams to help with some of the internal stuff. You know, Pornhub or YouPorn, those guys can handle the kind of traffic. This is new to Zoom right now, so just be patient with any kind of connectivity problems. I'm sure they'll get it worked out in the coming days. In all seriousness, here are a few tips that might help you transform into being a remote worker. The first one is act like you're going to the office. Keep your morning routine. Change out of your pajamas. Put on legit work clothes. Act like you're working at the office. Um, have a start time. Have an end time. Make sure you break for lunch. Like I said, I typically work through lunch, but it has taken me years to perfect my routine. <laughs> have a dedicated workspace just like you're at the office. Make sure you have enough outlets for your PC, phone charger, etc. Do not work from bed. Breaks. Make sure you take them. It's really easy to work right through them. Use your phone or some sort of an online site to set an alarm. This is true, especially if your dedicated workspace is the kitchen table. Dining room chairs are not designed to be sat in hour after hour. And I'm here to tell you that I'll look at the clock and it'll be 1145. And I'll say, you know what? I'm going to work another 15, 20 minutes, grab a bite to eat. Next thing I know, it's one o'clock in the afternoon. So very easy to let time get away from you. For me, um, when it comes to the chairs, I actually have a stand-up desk. I think it's one of the greatest things that I've ever purchased. At first, I thought I'd be exhausted by the end of the day, but it's actually really the opposite. Now, if I have to sit in a meeting for several hours, I am slamming Red Bulls or Monster Energies before the meeting begins because it's just sitting in a chair just drains the ever-loving energy out of me. Let everyone know that you are working. Right now, more than likely, you live in a house where everybody is home. The CEO is off till who knows when. Like I said, all three of the kids' colleges are canceled. The ones that work at Universal, work is canceled. So everybody's home. Let them know you're working. Hey, dad, I'm, dad's in working hours right now. Don't mess with them. Another tip is go mobile. Working from home for endless hours will lead to boredom. If you're not participating in some sort of an online conference call, you might want to uh, head out to the local coffee shop if they're still open. It'll definitely help your sanity. Also, for some people, working from home can lead to a heck of a lot of distractions, such as doing laundry or cleaning the house. Try to avoid that. Add some background music or TV. For me, I have several YouTube channels that are bookmarked that plays get this, bossa nova music for three or four hours straight. Not sure what it is about the bossa nova that keeps me in a work frame of mind, but it works. Do a little bit more. One of my first bosses was a good old Georgia boy, and he used to always say, give me the X-Tree, <laughs> give me the X-Tree. And I really always wanted to ask him, how do you spell X-Tree? But I also wanted to keep my job. <laughs> right now is a great time for you to shine, especially if you're working remotely and it's something new to everybody in the company. You know, by doing the extra, it shows that you can adapt to changing situations and that you can actually work unsupervised 
and still produce results. Now, if you're that guy and want to give remote workers a bad name, there are plenty of avenues to do that as well. First one is every time you answer the phone, make sure there is an S ton of background noise. Preferably, you're at a bar. If you need something to keep your monitor awake, so if you're on something like Slack or Skype, there's an app called Caffeinated. It's a very simple utility that prevents your PC from going to sleep. You can combine Caffeinated with an auto mouse mover. People have really thought this through, which allows you to move your mouse automatically. Again, preventing your computer from locking off. If your office uh, uses Slack, there's an app called Slack Off. Uh, this app lets you stay active on Slack even when you're from away from the computer. You can do things as set schedules to automate your online status. Brian Feldman from Intelligencer Magazine or, or website had a little bit of advice, and it makes some sense. He describes the importance of thinking about how you actually type. And what it comes down to is most of us type very differently on a PC than we do on our phone. And the thought is to marry those two so that you type the same. You know, suddenly because you're on a traditional keyboard, you're capitalizing everything, lots of punctuation where you're on your phone, everything's lowercase, no punctuation, and a lot of abbreviations. So his, his thought was to, or advice, I guess, <laughs> was to marry those two styles so that it's very seamless and t hard to tell if you're working from your office or working once again from the aforementioned bar. And then finishing up with this tip, remove that ugly work from home mess from video calls. Maybe you're planning for a party later that day or you're recovering from a party the night before. But I just learned this the other day. And I don't do a lot of video conferencing, especially with a stand-up desk because my, uh, Laptop, my webcam is right about waist level, and nobody wants to see that. But they actually have the ability through Zoom to offer up a virtual background. This feature allows you to display an image or a video as your background during a Zoom meeting, so nobody has to see the absolute train wreck of your office or the house behind you. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening, and safe travels. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.